a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stopping. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under His covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. Christian Fellowship and our Wednesday night refreshing service. And if you're watching online, we just say hello to you and welcome to you. We're going to have a great time in the Lord tonight. Amen. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are always up to something good because you are absolutely good. And tonight, Lord, we're going to celebrate and honor your goodness, Lord. And we just bless your name and we give you all the praise and all the glory for you are due and you are worthy of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
for your mighty, mighty presence that is among us, that is with us, that is in us. And Lord, we thank you that you are working. You're doing great and mighty things. And Lord, we trust you. We believe you. We adore you. We acknowledge you as Lord of all. And we thank you, Lord, that you direct our path. Oh, we bless your holy name. Praise your holy name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that you're here with us and we listen to your voice as you speak to us. For it is my delight to do the miraculous. I want to do a new thing in the earth. And I'm looking for a remnant. I'm looking for a people who will put their trust in me. And I will take their hand. And I will do great and mighty things. Things that they have not known. Things that they have not seen. Things that have not been done yet in this earth. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Say, Lord, I'm taking your hand. Do your miracles through me. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Don't they do a phenomenal job? Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad that you're here tonight, and I hope that you're glad that you're here tonight. 
Glory to God. We serve a good God, don't we? Amen. And he is actively involved in our lives to, to the degree that we let him be. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we give you thanks and praise. Amen. And if you're watching, we just say hello to you. Like and share. Amen. Glory to God. And you know, uh, anytime that we get together, we have the privilege of investing in the kingdom of God. Amen. And uh, we invest with tithes, offerings, and sometimes special sacrifices as the Lord uh, leads, guides, and directs. And I know that whenever you invest in the kingdom, he promises a good return. And uh, Lord, we just give you thanks and praise, and we bless every giver and their gifts, Lord. And we thank you that you receive them in heaven. They're holy to you, Lord. And they go in building your kingdom. And Lord, I thank you that you will produce an abundant, mighty return on the givers. In Jesus' name, amen. You can do that any time during the service. And, of course, online you can do that through our website as well. Praise the Lord. All right, at this time we're going to dismiss our kids. We appreciate our kids and our workers. And we're so grateful and thankful. Kids, have a good night. Be blessed in learning the word. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, are you ready for the word tonight? Glory to God. You know, um, sometimes the enemy, I mean, well, the enemy looks for a way to get to you. And there's two ways that he can enter your life if you let him. And that is through the physical, natural body or your soul, right? I mean, he can affect your spirit. If you're born again, he can't mess with the spirit but that's why we got to renew our minds we have to constantly put new information in our minds and we have to constantly change the way we think about things because how we think is how we act you know Joyce Meyer said where the mind goes the man follows right and um, tonight I want to talk to you about something that you can hold your soul stable. Amen? And uh, it'll get you, it's a shelter in times of storm. And tonight I want to talk to you about anchoring your soul. How many know that the Bible provides an anchor for our soul? You know, an anchor is, is usually a heavy metal object and you find it on boats and they can throw out this anchor and it, it hits the bottom and it grabs hold and it prevents the boat from drifting. It prevents the boat from the current just taking it wherever it wants to go. It keeps it in place. Amen. And we've got something in God to keep us in place. Amen. And it's, it's an anchor for our soul. Hallelujah. 
And uh, I want you to go to uh, Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. You know, hope is a part of a very, it's a three-chord strand that can hold up under any pressure. How many's ever had pressure in life? Well, the three-chord strand of hope is faith, hope, and love. Right? The greatest of these is what? Love, right? Love, the Bible says God is love, but we put our faith and hope in love. We put our faith and hope in God. And faith and hope work together. It's like your transmission and your engine of your car. They both work together. And they, they make your car go. And uh, both are necessary. And um, hope keeps your soul stable and steadfast. When storms occur in life, hope will secure your soul in God. It will help you not to be overwhelmed. Someone say amen to that. It gets you through all trouble and it keeps the enemy out of your life. Hallelujah. All right, in Romans chapter 4, starting with verse uh, 13, Abraham, he, he knew how to grab on to the hope of, that God provided. And uh, God gave him a promise. And the promise was that you're going to be a father of many nations. And when God said that, there was no evidence whatsoever in Abraham's life that that was possible. But because God said it, how many know that God backs up every promise with his, his own individual self? Amen? And, and God gave Abraham a promise. And Abraham latched on to that promise. He held on to that promise. And even when it looked like it wasn't going to come to pass, even when it looked like it wasn't going to be fulfilled, he, he believed in that promise, and that promise birthed Isaac. The promise came to pass. And God wants you to hold on to his promises. His promises will never, his promises can't fail. His promises will never let you down. His promises are good for as long as you believe them. Amen? So Romans chapter 4 verse 13. It says, for the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If those who are of the law are heirs, then faith is of no effect and void, and the promise of God is nullified. For the law results in wrath, but where there is no law, There is no violation. Verse 16. Therefore, uh, inheriting the promise depends entirely on faith. In order that it may be given as an act of grace, so that the promise will be legally guaranteed to all the descendants of Abraham, not only for those Jewish believers who keep the law, but also for those Gentiles who share the faith of Abraham. How many of you share the faith of Abraham? You know, when Abraham believed God, God credited his account with righteousness. 
There was nothing that Abraham could do to become righteous except believe God. And when Abraham got to the point where he believed God, I mean, no, God gave him the promise, but Abraham struggled with it a little bit. He, he saw a little bit of the promise coming to pass, but he struggled. He thought, well, maybe we'll just help God out. You know what? God appreciates your offer, but you don't need to help God out. You just need to trust God. You just need to believe God. You just need to rest in God. Okay? All right? And uh, verse uh, 17 He said, the scripture said, I have made you a father of many nations. Notice God made him that. What made him that? The promise that God gave, the word that God spoke. That's what made Abraham a father. That's what gave him the ability and the power. And uh, it touched his seed and it resurrected Sarah's womb. Okay. I have made you a father of many nations in the sight of him in whom he believed, that is, God, who gives life to the dead and calls unto being, calls into being that which does not exist. God called Abraham a father before he was ever a father. He, he brought it into being by what he said. And, and Abraham became what God said. Okay? All right. Verse 18. In hope against hope. Ooh. Abraham believed. When it when it looked like it wasn't going to come to pass. When it didn't feel like what God said was so. Abraham latched onto what God said in spite of how he felt, in spite of what it looked like, in spite of what his body was saying, in spite of what Sarah's body was saying. He believed God. He put, he hoped, he put, he held on to that anchor that kept him in place. The anchor keeps you in faith. The anchor keeps you secure. The anchor keeps you steadfast. Keep holding on to the anchor. Don't let go of the anchor. In hope against hope, Abraham believed that he would become the father of many nations as he had been promised by God. God said, so numerous shall your descendants be. Verse 19, without becoming weak in faith. Notice it it talks about faith a lot in here, doesn't it? Talks about faith, talks about God, and it talks about hope. Amen? Verse 19, without becoming weak in faith. Don't become weak in faith. How do you become weak in faith? You distance yourself from God. When you distance yourself from God, it weakens your faith. When you stop reading the Bible, it weakens your faith. When you stop worshiping, your faith begins to weaken. Okay? Without becoming weak in faith, he considered his own body. Other translations say he considered not his own body. Now as good as dead. If you're going to have a father, you can't look to your body. you got to look to what God said. If you need healing, you can't look to your body. You can't say, body, how are you feeling? No, you got to go by what God said. Can I get an amen? amen? Your body's not going to give you an accurate pronouncement of faith. 
It's going to come from God anyway. Okay. Not being weak in faith, since he was about a hundred years old. And he, cons- he didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, but he did not doubt or waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God. Once he made up his mind to believe God, he stuck with the promise. He kept calling himself, nice to meet you, I'm father of many nations. Nice to meet you, I'm father of many nations. He didn't feel like a father, he didn't look like a father, Sarah didn't look like a mother, but he kept saying it, he kept believing it, he kept trusting in what God said. That's what he did. Hallelujah. But he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. How do you keep your faith strong? You keep praising God. You keep thanking God. Amen. You keep your eyes on God. Okay. Being, verse 21, being fully convinced that God had the power to do what he had promised. Does God have the power to do what he said? You got to be fully persuaded about that. That means you can't entertain any doubt whatsoever about what God said about you or about your situation. Say, I'm not a waverer. Say, I made up my mind that I'm going to believe God and I'm going to trust God to work it out what he said. Amen. Okay. Verse 22, therefore, the faith that was credited to him as righteousness, now, not for his sake alone was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also. You know, there's things that we can learn about how Abraham believed God, because guess what? The same way that Abraham believed God is the same way that you and I believe God. Right? Okay. So it was written for our sake too, verse 24, but for our sake also to whom righteousness will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. You believe in resurrection power. All right, verse 25, who was betrayed and crucified because of our sins and was raised from the dead because of our justification, absolving us of all sin. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God, that through him we may have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace. Amen. And we're good, I want you to go to Hebrews 6, and as we go there, I want to just say some things. You know, if someone hopes for a better job, maybe you were at a point or you're at a point in your life where at some point you hoped for a better job, right? Now, if you want a better job, you gotta, you gotta use your faith for the hope to come to pass. You gotta look for a job, you gotta apply, or maybe you gotta increase your skill. Amen? But if you do those things, you can find a better job. How many believe that finding a better job is possible? I'm not saying that you need a better job, but it's possible, isn't it? Well, if you believe that it's possible because it is, then you gotta take your faith and start moving towards that. Right? Okay, because hope is something that's in front of you and you use your faith to get a hold of the hope and you put your faith in God. Okay. Maybe 
you hope for a better life. Well, if you hope for a better life, you're going to have to maybe change your current habits. You might have to change your thoughts, your words, and your actions. Right? If I wanted to change the shape of my body, I'm going to have to do some things different. Aren't I? I'm going to have to eat different. I'm going to have to exercise. Right? Because my body won't change on its own. I could hope for a new body, but until I add faith to it, it's not going to come to pass. It's just going to be like a fantasy. But when I add faith to hope, my goodness, there's an explosion that takes place. Transformation occurs. Okay? Now let's go to Hebrews 6. And and, and this gives us the keys on how to anchor our faith. Starting with verse 17. Hebrews 6, 17. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Say, I got to lay hold of the hope that's set before us. When we lay hold of hope, we're getting a hold of the anchor. Okay? Let me read this from the Amplified. It's going to make a lot more, uh, it's going to give us a lot more insight. This is what the Amplified says. In the same way, God in his desire to show to the heirs of the promise. How many here are heirs of the promise? Yeah, we're joint heirs with Jesus. Okay? God gave us a promise. He actually gave us thousands of promises. And he backs up everyone by his character and by his nature. Okay? All right? The unchangeable nature of his purpose. How many know that God is not fickle? He doesn't say one thing and then do another. You know, when God makes up his mind, his mind doesn't change. Okay? So two immutable things. The unchangeable nature of his purpose. He intervened and guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath. How many know once God makes a promise, he doesn't back out of it. Now, whether or not that promise is received, it depends upon the believer. But whether you believe God or not, it doesn't change his promise. God guarantees every single promise that he makes. And the second immutable thing, immutable simply means unchangeable, is his oath, is his guarantee. Amen? In which it is impossible for God to lie. How reliable is God who cannot lie? Notice the Bible said it's impossible for God to lie. Can you trust someone who can't lie? Can you rely on someone who can't lie? Can someone who can't lie ever lead you astray? 
Will someone who cannot lie never do what they're going to say? No, they, they won't, right? Sorry, I, that, that was kind of a weird question. Say it's impossible for God to lie. We, can, we need to know that about God. When you read the Bible, when you read what's recorded in the Gospels, God's not lying. When he said, by, your stri- by my stripes you're healed, he's not lying. When he said, I will strength- wait upon me and I will strengthen you, he's not lying. He can't lie. All right. We who have fled to him for refuge. How many know if you want to find safety, you've got to run to God. You've got to come to him. Right? Jesus said, all who are thirsty, come to me and I'll give you living water. All those who are heavy laden with burden, come to me and I'll give you rest. There's some, faith comes to God. Amen? Okay? And we have a strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. Say, I got a good grip on the hope. Okay? Verse 19. This hope, this confident assurance, we have as an anchor for the soul. Hope is an anchor for the soul. In other words, here's what the Amplified says. It cannot slip. It cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. There's no amount of pressure that can break the hope that is before you. It will hold you. It will hold you secure. All you got to do is hold it tightly and it'll do the rest. It'll keep you safe in God. It's a safe and a steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, that most holy place, which is the very presence of God dwells, where Jesus has entered in advance as a forerunner for us. How many know whatever Jesus did, we can do. If Jesus entered the veil, we can enter the veil. If Jesus rose from the dead, we're going to rise from the dead. If Jesus gets renewed strength, we get renewed strength. If angels came and ministered to him, then angels will come and minister to you. He was the forerunner. He went in. He showed us how to do it. He showed us how to live it. He showed us how to have it. Where Jesus has entered, this is verse 20, as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever over the order of Melchizedek. So how does hope anchor the soul? I'm so glad that you asked that question. Number one, hope anchors our soul because it latches on to the faithfulness of God. Securely and firmly, without slipping Loosening or letting go. Did you know that in 1 Timothy 6.12 it says fight the good fight. Then it says lay hold onto salvation. Laying hold is getting a hold of the hope. Amen. We're all saved, right? But what's the end of our salvation? We're hoping to go to heaven, right? 
We're not there yet, but we know heaven is real. It's a planet. It's the third heaven, right? And we're going to go there. But we got we to gotta hold tightly to the hope that's before us. You can't let any doubt in your mind that you're going to go to heaven because you know Jesus. You've invited him into your heart. You've confessed him as Lord. You declared him to be the son of God. And the Bible says when you do those things, what are you? You're saved. Say, I'm saved. So our destination is going to be heaven. We're not there yet, so it's before us. So it's a hope that's been before us. So we lay hold of that hope. Amen? No matter what happens to this body, I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. If this body dies, I'm going to heaven. Glory to God. It changes the way you live. Okay? So, hope anchors our soul because it latches on to the faithfulness of God securely, firmly, without slipping, loosening, or letting go. It helps you ride the waves of emotionalism. We all have emotions, don't we? But God never designated our emotions to lead us. So you need something to help you through the waves of emotionalism. There's an anchor to our soul. So we don't let our emotions get the best of us. Amen? Emotions are at best a ride at Hershey Park. Right? Emotions were never meant. What's supposed to lead us? Our emotions? No. Our flesh? No. What's supposed to lead us? Holy Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. When you became a son of God, daughter of God, you, you are now committed to letting the Holy Spirit lead you. He's supposed to dictate to you uh, what's the best path for you. What's the best thing to choose for you? Right? He leads you. He guides you. He brings you into all truth. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Yes, we have emotions, but we were never be, to be led by our emotions. But some people are. When, when someone lets their emotions lead them, what do they become? A basket case. Right? Why? Because emotions aren't stable. They change with the circumstance or the mood. And you don't want to put your faith in something that's not stable. Amen? You don't want something that's not stable to lead you. Because you'll just get wore out from the ride. Amen? You need something that's stable, fixed, and steadfast to lead you. And that's God. And he leads us by his Holy Spirit. Through the word of God. Because we're in Christ. Amen? All right? So when it's an anchor to our soul and it helps us ride the waves of emotionalism, feelings and opinions and it gets you to your destination, what you believe for. Hope gets you to your, Abraham believed that he was going to be a father. When God said it, he wasn't a father, but he was believing. He was believing. He was believing. And all of a sudden what happened? He ran into the promise. In other words, the promise became a reality in his life, and he became the father that God said he was. Because he refused to quit. Yeah, he made some mistakes along the way, but he refused to quit. If you make a mistake, you get over it. Right? 
Just because you make a mistake doesn't give you the right to quit or to stop believing. You keep believing. You get up from your mistake. Why do you think God put repentance into his plan? He knew we were going to mess up. Amen? Okay? So number one, it latches on to the faithfulness of God. That's what having an anchor to your soul does. Number two, hope anchors our soul because we see God's promise is true and unchangeable. God said it, I believe it, therefore it settles it. You have got to know that God's promise is unchangeable. And you've got to see his promise as true, the absolute truth. Amen? What God said has to override every other voice. Amen? So hope anchors our soul because we see the promise of God is true and unchangeable. It's unchangeable, but not unreceivable. That was a good place to say amen. God's promise is unchangeable, but it's not unreceivable. It can be received. Who receives it? Those who believe it. Those who latch on to it. Okay? God's promise is unchangeable, but it's not unattainable. That means you can attain to what God said. You can become what God said. You can have what God said. And you can do what God said. You can have what God said. You can become what God said. And you can do what God said. It's unchangeable, but it's not unreceivable and it's not unattainable it is attainable amen anyone who believes can receive from the promise who is salvation for it's for whosoever whosoever believes shall receive you don't have to be a somebody you just have to be a whosoever amen Because when you believe in Jesus, you become somebody. You become a child of God. You are elevated above angels. You have authority over the devil and every participant of darkness. When you, when you accept Jesus, you become somebody. You may have not thought you were somebody before Christ, but once Christ is in you, you become somebody. You become Christ! Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's no longer I live, but Christ that lives within me. Hallelujah. So anyone who believes can receive God's promises because they were given to you. God's promises, all of his promises, the Bible says, are yes and amen. If you ask God about any promise, his response is yes, so be it. Can I have this promise? Yes, so be it. Can I have healing? Yes, so be it. Can I be prosperous? Yes, so be it. Can I do the will of God? Yes, so be it. All of his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you've got access to every promise. It's already yours. It's already been given to you. Amen. The will has already been established. Someone had already died, and, and now you become a participant of the will. And every, time, every church service is a reading of the will. 
Amen. How many know you got to go to the reading of the will to find out what belongs to you? Right? Okay. See, God's promises are unalterable. They're so good, they don't need anything added or taken away from them. They're pure. You don't need to add anything to God's promise. And what are you going to add to God's promise? Huh? What, you're going to add your strength to God's strength? No. He adds, our, he adds his strength to our strength. Why? Because our strength is insufficient. That's why we need his strength. Do you think you can love the unlovable with your own little love? No, you need the love of God to love the unlovable, right? He shed his love abroad in our heart. We need his love to love people because our love is insufficient in itself. So he gives us his love. He even gives us his faith. Have the faith of God. Have the God kind of, say, I got the God kind of faith. That means you got faith that comes from God. You got the same faith that Jesus had. Glory to God. With the same faith, you can do the same things. Did the apostles raise people from the dead? Yeah, just like Jesus did. Did the apostles get people healed? Yeah, just like Jesus did. Why? Same faith, same power, same name, same authority. Who gave it to him? Jesus gave it to him. Okay? Hope anchors our soul... See, nothing, okay, God's promises are pure, good, trustworthy, and powerful because they come from him. God's promises are pure, trustworthy, good, and powerful because they come from him. They originated with God. God gave you his promises. It's called the B-I-B-L-E. It's full of his promises. I've heard different quotes, seven, eight thousand promises. That's, that's a lot. If you had promise for, if you just believed one promise a day for seven thousand, eight thousand days, I don't know how many years that is. I'm not even going to figure that out. It doesn't matter. And the thing about it is, you keep going over the promises and you're going to see something else you didn't see before. All right? God's promises are as good as his characteristic and nature. Every promise that God gives is backed by his character and his nature. You saw those infomercials. A 30-day money-back guarantee. Listen, God doesn't have to give you your money back because he didn't charge you for it anyway. It's free. Amen? He doesn't need a money-back guarantee. He gave you an eternal guarantee. Not any of what God's word will ever fail. Not one. He won't even miss, he won't even miss an accent. He won't miss a syllable. He won't misspell a letter. Why? God, it's come from God. That's why you can rely on it. You can have it. You can grab hold of it. It's an anchor to the soul. God doesn't change his mind about what he said, but one's belief about what he said affects the reception of it. Yeah, God doesn't change his mind, but if you want what God said to affect you, You've got to believe it like he said it. 
If you don't believe what God said, it doesn't change what God said. It just changes your reception of it. It changes how it affects you, but it doesn't change God. You can take it or leave it. What God said, it's not going to change God. But if you take it, it'll change you. If you reject it, it'll change you. So the effect of God's promise is is up to us. The woman with the issue of blood, she wasn't offered healing, she took healing. Because Jesus, the word testified, your, your, your faith made you whole. Go in peace. Her faith did it. Jesus was going to Jairus' house. He wasn't even thinking about a woman touching him and uh, taking some of his power. Because what, what was the question that he asked after she touched him? What was the question? Who touched me? Why didn't he know who touched him? He's the son of God. He is the son of God, but he was also operating as a man. And that woman had some faith that touched him. He asked, he asked who touched me because that was the only, out of everybody touching him, one person touched him in faith. Believing to receive. And it was that one touch. He, the Bible said power went out of him. I mean, he felt it. He felt it. She felt it. And she was healed. Why? She took hold of the promise. She, she grabbed onto the anchor for her soul. And she, she took Jesus as her healer. I mean, 12 years of trying other stuff that didn't work. Think about it. It's not like she didn't try other things. She tried other things 12 years. She spent a lot of money. But only one thing made her better. That was the anchor to her soul that she grabbed onto. And it happened to be the hem of his garment. And that was enough to hold her in healing. She grabbed hold of that anchor and she didn't let go. And because she had a hold of that anchor, that anchor got her healed. Amen? She did it. Her faith did it. What, what can your faith do? All things are possible to who? Them that believe. If you're a believer, then all things are possible to you. If you're a believer, you can walk on water if you need to. Peter walked on water. Who was Peter? A fisherman. You think he ever walked on water before? No. But because he responded to the word, he got out of the boat and walked on water. It's just that while he was walking, he took his eyes off the, he let go of the anchor. And you know, when he let go of the anchor, he took his eyes, Jesus is the anchor. He took his eyes off Jesus and put it on the wind and the waves. And when he did that, he sank like a rock. Well, I guess he is a rock, right? If you get out of the boat, just keep your eyes on Jesus until you get to Jesus. See, his destination was to go from the boat to Jesus. But while he was part way, he started to sink. Did Jesus praise him for his effort? He said, why did you doubt? First, first words out of, after, after Peter said help and Jesus gave him a hand, 
You know, God's mercy won't let you sink. Amen? Even though he took his eyes off Jesus, Jesus was there to rescue him. That's the mercy of God. So God will not break what he said, and we must not break what we believe about what he said. What happens? Distractions come to get your eyes off the word. It tries to distract you from what God said, and it gives you mixed messages. You didn't really get healed up there in that line. There wasn't any power there. See, the Satan is subtle. And he operates by deception. And if he can get your eyes off Jesus, then he's won. But you've got to be like a bulldog. Now, I'm taking my eyes off Jesus, and I'm not letting go of that bone. Amen? You can try to finagle it out of my mouth. I'm not letting go. See, I'm not letting go. See, I'm not letting go of Jesus. I'm not letting go of his word. I'm not letting go of what he said. I'm going to hold on to it. Even if, listen, you hold on to it if, you, if every one of your family is against you. You hold on to it if, if every person is against you. You hold on to it if it's just by yourself. You hold on to it because it's more than sufficient to hold you up. And to get you to where you need to be. So we must not break what we believe about what God said. We got to trust him because God himself backs every word he says. All right. According to verse 18, hope anchors our soul because God's nature is completely free from lies. Jesus said, there is no darkness in me. Not an ounce. Not a teaspoon. Not a thimbleful. Jesus has no darkness in him. He will never use darkness to teach you a lesson. He only uses the light. And the light is the word. And he'll only use the word to teach you. He'll use the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Okay? It is impossible for God to lie. He is absolute truth. What he promised or said is absolute truth. Let me say absolute. That means you can walk on that truth and no matter what storm, what pressure, what enemy comes against that truth, it will not knock it down so that you will fall. As long as you're on the truth, you will be held up no matter what comes against you. That's the power of the truth. It's an anchor that holds your soul. Amen? But how we behave and interact and believe and deal with God's truth determines its effect on us. How we interact with the truth. Do we welcome it? You know, when Peter went down to Samaria, I mean, not Peter, but Philip, when Philip went down to Samaria, the Bible says they welcomed what he said. You know, you got to welcome the word no matter what package it comes in. Aren't you glad that Balaam welcomed the word of a donkey? He may not have liked the package, but the word saved his life. 
How else was God going to get the word to him? There wasn't anybody else around. The angel was about to take his head off. Because of his foolish, his, his lust for, his lust, covetous, and greed. Do you realize when, when, when uh, Balak, king of Moab, first came to Balaam, God said, don't go with him. But then God said, go. God didn't change his mind. It's just that Balaam didn't give up his greed, lust, or covetousness. That's why the angel was going to take him out. Because he wasn't even supposed to be there. You know, Elijah is sitting in a, in a cave having a pity party. Whoa, it's me. I'm the only one. And God's, God looks at him in the cave and says, what are you doing here? Some, sometimes God has to ask you, what are you doing here? Or what are you doing there? Why are you there? Why are you here? Right? Because sometimes we're in the wrong place. We're in a place that God didn't tell us to go. What if Elijah would have went to another brook other than the brook Cherith? He'd have, he'd have, he'd have died of thirst. Because God told him to go to the brook Cherith. Why? That was the brook that was assigned by God to supply him to satisfy his thirst in the midst of a drought. Listen, if you're in the midst of the drought, you better be in the right place. Isaac was, was having a famine, right? There was a famine in his time. He was tempted to go to Egypt. God says, stay, just stay where I tell you. Right? How many know it's important to be where God tells you to be? Because that is where provision is guaranteed. That's why it anchors our soul. Verse, according to verse 19, the hope that anchors our soul, it cannot slip, cannot break down, no matter how intense the pressure is. Woo, someone shout amen. Amen. It's not going to slip. It's not going to break down. It can withstand any amount of pressure against it. That anchor will hold your little boat in place, no matter how big the waves are. It could be a tsunami, but it's not greater than the anchor. Hallelujah. And, you know, hope anchors our soul because we find refuge in God. How many know that if you're trusting yourself, then you've got to de- decide to put your trust in God? It's like, how many believe that if I stood on this chair right here, it would hold me up? How many believe? How come it's not holding me up? Because I didn't put my trust in it. But if I, if I stand on it, I'm not going to do it, but if I stand on it, guess what? It'll hold me up, but I've got to put my trust in it for it to hold me up. Yeah. You know, faith is like a parachute. You might be nervous about jumping out of the plane, but that parachute will hold you up. Faith is a parachute, amen? Sometimes you don't know, you don't know what's ahead, but you just trust in God. That's, you know, God, God, He'll show you a step, but you got to take it by faith. Are we learning something tonight? Yeah, we're learning something that will anchor our soul. Why? Because there's a lot of things happening in this world that can mess your soul up. You know, the Bible talks about, uh, the psalmist said, why so downcast, oh, my soul, put your hope in God. He had to give himself a pep talk. His soul was downcast, right? 
He had to say, come on, soul, put your hope in God. He had to tell his soul what to do instead of having your soul tell you what to do. See, that's the problem that people get in. They have their soul tell them what to do instead of the word telling them what to do or the Holy Spirit telling them what to do. And we make the wrong decision. You can do a lot of things with your soul. You can bless the Lord with your soul. Amen? All right, that's another message. So you got to trust in him, rest in him, and rely on him alone. Everybody say alone. Don't mix. Your faith doesn't need to be mixed with anything except for love. Right? Because faith works by love. Amen? All right? So God's anchor cannot slip, cannot break down. You can stand on it confidently, and it provides you with a safe, steadfast, secure fortress in God. A fortress is a a mighty God, right? However that hymn is, goes, I don't know. Something like that. All right? Can you handle two more? Are you good for two more? Okay. Six, hope anchors our soul because you can enter God's holy presence where God dwells. You've been given access by faith into his presence. And you can enter God's presence wherever you are. You could be in your car. You could be at home watching TV. You could be taking a shower. You could be uh, doing your grooming routine, whatever. You can enter into God's presence. Amen? Because he talks about, says that we can enter the veil. Jesus, what happened to the veil at the cross? It was torn from top to bottom. Who could go behind the veil before it was torn? Only the high priest, only once a year. But when Jesus was on the cross, God tore that sucker. He says, it's an open invitation. Any believer can come on in. Anytime we can come boldly before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. You can come boldly before the throne. We have access to the throne. You can talk to the king of kings. You can talk to the creator of the universe. Amen? We have that as believers. That's available to us. Hallelujah. That's good news. Glory to God. And then finally, hope anchors our soul because we have faith in Jesus and we're joint heirs with him. Because he was a forerunner for us. He's our great high priest. And you know what? As a great high priest, he's not disassociated with our infirmities. He's familiar. You know why? He became human. Guess what? He put on the same flesh and blood that we have. He walked this earth. He knows what it feels like. He knows what you're going through. Amen? But he's got a way out. He's got a way through. Glory to God. Where he goes, we can go. If he goes into the throne room, we can go into the throne room. What he has, we can have. Why? We're joint heirs. With him. 
Romans 8, 17 tells us we are joint heirs with Christ. A joint heir means you inherit the same thing. Hallelujah. What he does, we can do. Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do also, but greater works because I'm, going, I'm retiring early. I'm going to my father. Let's do some greater works together. Let's do some greater works. Amen? Do you know anybody that's not saved? Let's get them saved. That's a greater work. Right? Jesus only ministered in Jerusalem. You can get on the internet. and Matter of fact, on Friday, I'm going to be ministering to Kenyans again. Hallelujah. We, we can do it in him, with him, and through him. Amen? This is why hope anchors our soul. How many believe God tonight? There's nothing that God promised that you can't have. You can have a better life. You can improve your situation. Amen? All we got to do is get a hold of the anchor and not let go. Amen? Everybody put your hands up and act like you're going you're gonna to get a hold of something. All right? Get a good grip on it. Amen? A grip that's not going to slip. Amen? And say, I'm, I'm holding on to the promise. And I'm not going to let go. Because God will fulfill it. Hallelujah. Just like Abraham, he'll fulfill it. Just like Isaac, he'll fulfill it. Just like Jacob. I'm telling you, Jacob was in a, an employment situation where his wages were changed ten times. He didn't quit. He didn't leave. He was employed by his uncle, a relative. And he agreed to marry one daughter, and he got another daughter that he didn't want. But he didn't quit. He kept in there. And guess what? He, he had made a covenant with God before he got to Laban. He said, of all that you give me, I'll give you a tithe. He said, but just bring me back in peace. Clothe me and feed me, and I'm yours. And this is what Jacob did. He, he, he said, Laban, he said, under my care, your sheep has not, you have not suffered a loss for 20 years. His wages kept going down, down. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. And God gave him a dream. And it was a dream of how to multiply sheep. And Laban said, Jacob said, I'm about ready to leave, Laban. And Laban said, well, name your price. He said, I want all the speckled and spotted sheep. And you know what Laban did? He had his sons take all the speckled and spotted sheep three days away. How are you going to make sheep multiply without spotted and speckled sheep? You're going to make sheep produce spots and speckles. How are you going to make sheep produce spots and speckles? You're going to strip a stick. And you're going to strip the bark. You're going to make it look like a barber's pole. And you're going to put it up there. When the sheep come to drink, that's where they mate. That's where they produce. And they're going to see a vision of speckles and spots. And if sheep can get speckles and spots because they see it, how much more can you get what you see? Yes. Amen? Amen? And all of a sudden, when the strong sheep would come, Jacob would put those sticks out there. <laughs> and all the sheep would be having spotted and speckled kids. But when the weak ones come, oh no, he didn't put the sticks up there. You don't want to produce weakness. Yeah. You don't want to reproduce weakness. You want to reproduce strength. Yeah. Jacob put the sticks away when the weak sheep came. 
But when the strong sheep came, out came those sticks. And those sheep were having spots and speckled kids all over the place. And Laban's sons testified that Jacob, whose wages were changed ten times, became greater than Laban. How did he do that? He held on to the promise that God gave him. And God gave him a way to multiply sheep when it seemed impossible, when it seemed improbable, Jacob believed God. And it took faith to make those strips. It took faith to put those strips out there when the, when the, when the strong sheep came. That's the faith working. Amen. He had the hope of increase. He had his faith mixed in with the hope and they were in God and he left with more assets than Laban. God made him rich. Say God made him rich. If God made Jacob rich, he can make you rich. He made Abraham, Isaac, Jacob rich. That's three generations. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. If he can make them rich, he can make you rich. But we got to get our sticks out and put our sticks in the right spot. Amen. Don't 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 invest in weakness. Invest in strength. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jacob held on to that anchor and that anchor kept his soul. Amen. He could have left prematurely. That would that would have been the temptation that the enemy, the enemy's pressure was on him. You need to leave. You need to let go of Jacob because he's treating you bad. You don't deserve it. You're better than this. But he wouldn't have had the victory that he had if he'd have left prematurely. Sometimes you've got to endure. You know, qualities of faith, it endures. It never gives up. It never stops believing. It rests in God. Faith is joyful. Faith has a disposition of expectancy on it. Amen? Glory to God. Those are things not even in my notes. That's by the Holy Ghost. Someone needed to hear that. You got to get some speckled and spotted sheep. You got to start multiplying some speckled and spotted sheep supernaturally. Amen. How many believe in the supernatural? We serve a supernatural God. Glory to God. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. I'm whole. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We got an anchor to our soul. Amen. And as long as you're holding on to that anchor, you're not going to be flaky. Amen. We don't need flaky Christians. We need some strong Christians. We need some warriors. Amen. We need some giant killers, city takers, country overthrowers. Hallelujah. We need some possessors. We need some, uh, we need some going through Red Sea on the dry ground walkers. We need some crossing Jordan at flood stage walkers. Hallelujah. We need some Christians getting out of the boat and walking on the water. We need some Christians standing before tombs and calling the dead alive in the name of Jesus. And we just need some Christians that will refuse to quit. Listen, there were a lot of opportunities over the last 20 years for us to quit. We had opposition. We had all kinds of things, but we're still here. Why? We determined long ago, number one, we're going to love people no matter what they do. It doesn't matter. We're going to love people and we're going to do what God called us to do, irregardless of what it looks like. Amen. And I'll tell you what, we're believing for great things. Amen. We, we, we got some sticks outside of this building. 
And we're going to start producing some speckled and spotted sheep. Amen. They're on the way. They're coming. Hallelujah. They're coming in. And this place is going to be flooded in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to carry on the work that was started many years ago in the early 80s. Glory to God. And we're going to do what God says. We're going to be here until God says be somewhere else. The only thing that can move us is God. Amen. How about you? You got your mind made up? You got, you, you, oh, hallelujah. Mmm. Mmm. There's an anointing to multiply here tonight. Do you need some good things multiplied in your life tonight? There's an anointing to multiply tonight. Amen? In spite of adversity, it doesn't matter. Giants are just like bears and lions. They're going to die too. Amen? They're going to die too. Hallelujah. God's got you in a place because he needed a warrior to take the land. So he put in a Melissa to do some warfare, to wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Father, let an anointing, an overcoming anointing, come upon her. Strength and power be hers right now in the name of Jesus. Strengthen her, Father. Renew that strength in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Another teacher. Yeah. You thought you're just being a teacher. No, God needed a warrior because you're doing warfare. Hallelujah. And the battleground is the classroom. And God's got you there, not just to teach a lesson, but to teach a lesson. Hallelujah. To be an example and a light. Father, let the fire of God just begin to burn in her bones in the name of Jesus. And let this light shine, shine brightly, brighter than ever in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. If you need some good things, if you need health to multiply, if you need finances to multiply, come up here right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's an anointing here in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm tired of decrease. I want increase.